0: Do you do you want to, um, as has been mentioned before and oh, previewed at some uh, recent occasion, would you like to tell your Savo Milosevic story? For I a thought
1: my Savo, Savo Milosevic story might might be a a softest, a stand-in well, soccer story when Chinch isn't ready.
0: No, well well that could be at any point of the literally at But we're we sorted for today, so you can do it now or you can park it, kick that Savo can even further it, down the road. Is it? A,
2: could could we use it as a standalone story? Is it?
1: It's not. It's not funny. Oh, so it qualifies as a. As it's, a not story. Funny. <laughs> it's not funny. No, it's not. What is it then? Interesting. It's, it's a curiosity. It's a piece of biographical oh. detail that is not known about me. Not that anyone is interested okay. in my biography. Although okay.
0: having said that, you have previewed uh, the story to us, so we know. That you know. We know. You people. I It's you know. Both interesting and hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's not hilarious. No, I'm just. Doing is it
1: humorous? Is it is it it's now right. better
0: in the non-telling because of this section, or is it uh, better in the telling because? Chin,
1: does Chin, you, do you not know the Salvador story? No, no, no I don't afraid. either. No, you uh, we we wasn't the car, weren't we? Yes, you were. You were. You were, you here, were here, here when he told us. Was I? It was it was black maybe black out the, out. maybe that's a good sign that it's not that interesting, so we shouldn't tell it.
0: <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> but you have a very bad memory, don't you? Yeah. Steve does tend to glaze over several times.
1: I'd like day. to part it for a bit because I'd like to get more details on the on the the sort of global context of when that story happened. So you know it was the, uh, i know it was the summer of 1995 or autumn of 1995 but i'd like to know more about i'd like good to revive 1995
2: very good year were you won the fa cup had we yes yeah, we had indeed had. indeed in the may
1: in the may so it everton Is that
2: went the cup final was that year it was <laughs> it was in the may it was in the may well, usually it was in the may and it played was, at Wembley it was in the may we, yeah, all over yeah, the place. we were we expected to expected playing cardiff but no Wembley
1: the uh but I'd like to know, you know, I'd like to know who was number one. I'd like to know which wars <laughs> were happening.: Who was Prime Minister?: well, Who was Prime Minister?. John, Savo, John Major was Savo Prime Minister.
0: Milosevic would probably be able to tell you what wars were happening at that time, because they mm. were happening in his area.
1: That war was happening. Yeah. I'd like to know what the kind of the economic situation was. just the, con- the political context, what scandals were brewing. Do you know this what I mean? It
2: seems to be more around the story than the actual story That's what's happening that's here. That's very much my journalistic this style. This is fluff. There's a lot of fluff <laughs> around the actual... Yeah, is
1: is that what guys, it is? Is that this how it works? Is, this is the Rory Smith recipe. Ah. Guys, the, you're,
3: you're looking for the intro, aren't
1: you? A point of mild interest dressed up in 1,400 yes. words of nonsense. It's,
3: yes. And he chipped it's, over a
2: kerb and slightly hurt his knee.
1: I mean, that's how it's best described as a philosophy <laughs> story. In family guy. Yes. <laughs> 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 it is a point of mild interest. <gasps> I don't know further
3: than that. That, f- that. that fits quite well with the general theme of the podcast, though, doesn't it? We maybe should have called it a point <laughs> of mild interest, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the
2: Vim Yonk passing the ball slightly too hard to lesser players to make them look foolish. No, it, but it's, that, not, it's not that's seismic. Great, but that's it's, great insight. Yeah, but it's, is, it the se- is it on that level? No. It's not on that it's level. Worse. It's not like Andy Booth trying to eat five chicken wraps before we go down no. to Tottenham and then nearly... Dying before the match. No, the softer stories like did that.
1: start basically as an Andy Booth professional <laughs> Yes, didn't they? And now how, many how, out.
2: It, how many have I actually done? Probably
0: over eighty. How many have I missed? Um, only, yeah, only, only a ex- smattering. So there'll be between eighty and ninety. How are you expecting me to come up with <laughs> forever? Yes. Well, your life continues. It does. Soccer about, continues. Yes. How was
1: Soccer. your um? Soccer. How was your meeting? It's going. Excellent. Don't well. Excellent. Did people did. pay attention to you they did In the way that you wanted it was, to? Uh,
0: yes, it was very good.
2: Very good people were quite surprised how good it was. But <laughs> get people together who can talk about the job that we're doing and things can be learned.
1: Did all of the, the CoCom's
2: big hitters attend? No, Don no. Goodman didn't turn up because it was his wife's birthday. Good excuse. Have we double checked That it was actually His wife's <laughs> No we, we just knew He did not want to Because
3: he does play An awful lot of golf
2: He does play a well, lot of golf yeah, Former I, Collingham he, Colt He, he would, he would, would have known What it was all about And he didn't want to You game. can't do that Every time you mention <laughs> I Don can
1: yes. you can't. I can That's how I think of him Former <laughs> Collingham <laughs> Colt Don By Ruben. the way The
0: Collingham Colt story And then Rory's Very very interesting um, Occasion where he was The 11th player And yet didn't start um, Is available on episode 6 Is <laughs> well, that right <laughs> it was, was it that early Yes I peaked really early Ever since then It's been teasing some Savic and never delivering. This is Set Piece Money, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Andy Hinchcliffe is our host today. Sorry, Nikki Hinchcliffe is our host yesterday. And um, but whilst she is preparing mm. what is set to be over the next two weeks an extravaganza here at Casa de la Hinchcliffe, we're not staying all two weeks. We're not staying all two weeks. We? All two no weeks. Okay. It just so happens the next not. two episodes will be um, uh, recorded at this table. Yes. Uh, would you like to describe the upcoming? Um, if the I knew what we were eating, food, I would. More than happy to describe it. You've
2: got a large nose. You I'm sure it. it's, it's. is it large baps? Oh, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. As if by magic, <laughs> oh, yeah. Debbie McGee to my Paul Daniels produces
1: Thank you, Nick 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 nice. the you most extraordinary laugh
0: to That <laughs>
2: breakfast bap. You are enabling. At the moment, it's open-faced it is open-faced. application of source. Yes. And, and which then the will bap not can be closed. Not
0: take, not take place on Steve's. That is that is like. stunningly is it good, isn't it? That's amazing. Thank you so much. Why would you ruin it with sauce? That's incredible. Because it's with. complimentary. It has everything. I don't
3: need anything to complement bacon, sausage and a poached egg. I think we need bibs if we're going to do this, (laughs) because this could go everywhere. We
0: have open, open breakfast baps. Uh, Joining me, Hugh Ferris, are Rory Smith, whose bond with his son has been strengthened by a lovely first birthday weekend in the Lake District. And Steve Wyeth and Andy Hinchcliffe, whose bond with each other, has been strengthened even further during a weekend spent almost exclusively in the same car, almost exclusively in the M6 Roadworks. So, do I feel like, even though you've had no sleep, which people can, you know, make their own minds up about? Do we feel like that you two have set the world to rights over several lengthy cards? we Well, journeys? like the commentating
2: Thelma and Louise, and we are now <laughs> sponsored by the drive-through Starbucks and Keel services. <laughs> <laughs> they know our names now, Samantha. Oh, hi, Steve. Oh, you'd, they'd, you'd they'd you Which times. one of you, Samantha? No, no, that's the lady serving the uh, the maple did, latte.
1: This is. The, in fact, I'm, I'm, I was going to ask why you stop at Keel. That's a bad. That's a bad services. Is is it? Oh yes, no. I
0: would choose. I would choose many above Kiel. Yeah, mm. but
1: there's a
3: drive-through, so you don't even have to get out of the car. Oh, well, but the point of the service is it. to get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> I've not, not only been in the car for forty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's not we, should,
2: we, we stop at Warwick because it's a great services, and you generally need, need a tinkle on the M40. So that is uh, well, that's we,
3: that's just beyond midway point. You yeah, see, uh, where, so that's a good time to stop for a tinkle. Ah, if you,
0: if you're on the way to London, Chirwell Valley is very much the one that I would recommend. Chirwell really? Valley, it's very open plan, nice and spacious, and it gives you just a little bit of a boost towards the end when you when you need a cup of tea because you're just about to oh meet your family and you need is, some energy.
3: This is absolute <laughs> service station amateur hour. <laughs> Cherwell Valley is far too far off the motorway yes, correct. and is only Not on anymore. one side of the carriageway. Not anymore. There's too much ma- you've got
0: that, to- what did I say on the way into London? Yeah, I'm same, that. Any,
3: any service station that's only on one side of the carriageway should be ignored completely, unless you're on the M6
1: toll, where there is only one option. So if you have to stop to, at to Norton, Norton Keynes, is much further away than Cherwell Valley. And Norton Keynes has gone. This is. It should be pointed out that to everyone who works in the media, service stations are extremely important. <laughs> they are the two subjects that get journalists <laughs> kind of talking are people they don't like on Twitter. <laughs> And service stations. I
0: thought it was also <laughs> going to be food at football clubs and how you rank them.
1: Yes, that is another topic. Um, Journalists, are very Chelsea, boring Chelsea,
0: Arsenal, Manchester City, and Wembley, I think, are the top four and have been for several, several yes, years.
1: Yes, anywhere that offers sweets. Um, <laughs> the Norton Keynes has gone downhill. The worst service station is the one that's right at the end of the M40, uh, just as you get into London. The uh, Oxford service No, 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 no. Oh, the oh, oh. the one that's oh. so good now, they've got
3: a Pizza Express there. <laughs> You can yeah. actually go for a night out at Oxford services. <laughs> What's
1: it? Is it Beaconsfield, the one that's right on the corner oh of M25? Dear, yes. There is a Beckenfield. There's there. a pub. Why have you got a pub at a service station?
0: <laughs> because you had designated drivers, and that doesn't affect everybody. I just find that, in that extraordinary.
3: Car. I did notice at yeah. Warwick services, in the <laughs> WH Smiths, they had beer. And not just small 330ml yeah. bottles, but the double-sized bottles of Polish beer mm. seemed unnecessary. It's
1: just Dangerous.
0: Uh, So
3: if you'd like to get in
0: touch with your favourite service stations and perhaps the reasons why, get in touch via Set Piece Menu on Twitter, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. And you can also continue the conversation about football or indeed motorway service stations on Facebook. Just search uh, for Set Piece Menu. Um, Many people continuing to get in touch, for which we are forever grateful. The editor of Q Magazine, Ted Kessler, has continued the conversation that we started last week. It got weird very quickly with his consent to allowing Rory to follow him around all day espousing his opinions about football, just whilst he was on the tube for example. Uh, This tweet came from James Grant. A colleague at work called me an Atavelt a few weeks back. I've just caught up with episode 94 of uh, At Set Piece Menu and it's become crystal clear why. So am I a house or a bag? That's the question. We are very much tapping into the cultural zeitgeist of the age. Uh, There have been a lot of emails about who you support and why after our two pods on the subject, so we'll filter them in over the coming weeks so that we don't uh, get too bogged down because that would mean a part three And we're all happy with just parts one and two. Uh, Just a couple for now. This from Lou Femister, who is in Portland, Oregon. That's a great name. I thought you'd say
1: Lou (laughs) Ferrino.
0: Lou (laughs) Ferrino, who is on the other side of the Hulk. Um, It's very existentially titled, What is a Fan? Uh, Dear SPM foodies, who you'll note are being very quiet at the moment because they are currently tucking in. To some SPM food. Uh, Thank you for your thoughtful and intelligent look at our great game, says Lou. I left that in, probably didn't need to. I've been listening with great interest the last two weeks to your discussions on the different ways you can be a footy fan. During the podcast, I've been waiting for what I consider the most obvious to be brought up, and it never has. Uh, According to Lou, we have done a terrible job. Uh, Surely, being a football fan is mostly part of the way that you connect and communicate with a community of people around you and the place you live. You don't even have to know anything about football, really. Example, my mind goes back to North Edinburgh and a little old lady who owned a newsagent. She wore a Hibbs scarf every match day and actually knew a few of the Hibbs players, but had never been to Easter Road and, I would guess, never watched football on TV or had any great interest in the game itself. To me, she was a true fan because she understood the importance of how a team can represent a community of people and celebrate the natural human instincts of neighbourliness, clannishness and territoriality. OK, these instincts can be a double-edged sword and dysfunctional people, uh, says, Lou, as an exiled Scott of nearly 30 years living in the US has been very interesting to watch some Americans establish relationships with European teams. The relationship often seems to be very fantasy-like and overly personal, virtual, If you like, for instance, criticism of your team's players by someone annoying like me, says Lou, not me, something that would be acceptable in Europe is often considered something of an affront to their chosen love. Their relationship to their club reminds me very much of online dating, where before you meet a person, you can load up that person with your own desires and can create your very own perfect fantasy person. Luckily, here in Portland, Oregon, we have a great and somewhat unique local soccer culture that is surprisingly earthy within this classic hipster city. Building apart a little bit there. Uh, Must admit, although Portland does have uh, a reputation for that, must admit, though, when I'm at a Timbers game, I sometimes half close my eyes and imagine I'm back at Easter Road watching the Hibbies. Uh, That's from Lou, who is a consultant arborist in Oregon. So if anybody needs to consult on trees, go to Lou. Are we sure she was a Hibbs fan? She might just have been a fan of green and white scarves.
1: I'd look being an arborist <laughs> sounds amazing
0: uh, yes a consultant arborist yeah. so he just sits behind a desk and says mm, not that tree that tree that no, just
3: means you choose which trees you're going to go and look at that you don't have to you don't have to respond to
1: all tree demands yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I would say you that get paid having, a lot
0: more for it as well is
1: it better to be a consultant arborist or editor of Q Magazine which um, is the cooler job
0: uh, Ted, get involved. Lou, have an argument with Ted. You can do it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash setpiece many. This is Laurie Moorhead, who is an Arsenal fan. Dear Steve and others, I may not write from the lofty heights of an editorial desk or 35 years of grizzled supporting, but I do think my footballing love affair follows the part of your discussion about a new wave of football consumption quite well. In short, number one, I'm 22. Number two, I did not inherit a club and was raised in a non-football household. Number three, I didn't grow up near a big club, despite living close to Froome. Four, I am very much part of the FIFA slash Pro Evo generation. And five, my granddad is from Tiverton. Uh, so we have several references to the southwest of England, which is important, I think, on a weekly basis. Uh, throughout my teens, I played a lot of FIFA. And although this didn't influence my club choice, it has led to some European flings and soft spots. Connections I've made on managing teams on the PlayStation has led me to have adoring admiration for Udinese's scouting network, spending afternoons watching Les Aiglons, uh, which is Nice, uh, training sessions on YouTube and a trip to Porto as well. I'm aware this is odd, thank you, you said it so we didn't have to, but through video games I've gained an interest in clubs outside of the Premier League, which has become real-world support for these teams. I get their score updates, I stream their games, I buy their 2001 away strips to wear as I sit my flat white vegan avocado smoothie. Uh, just aside, says Laurie, for me I think I've consumed football in what I think you've called a new way, but my interest still remains at fever-pitchingly self-aware ridiculousness. I think Thierry Henry said something about how your club is not necessarily about where you're from, but where you feel at home, or something similarly cool in French. I like that a lot. That is the new wave... The new wave of football fandom and how you, and I think I'm I'm not I'm not the age of Laurie I'm significantly older but I have enduring relationships mainly with players because of signing them in original Championship yeah. Manager now Football Manager yeah I, I, I always like and follow Zlatan Ibrahimovic because I signed him as a 17 year old and won the league nine times in a row with him
3: I first got into ice hockey from playing it on the Mega Drive mm. when I was a student against my housemate. We were, our interest in ice hockey stemmed from that, and then we went to start started watching it when uh, the Manchester Storm
1: played at the MEN Arena.
2: So it's not a new phenomenon. People finding an interest in football through this type of is it geeky roots? Not, geeky, not really. It? No, it's mainstream oh. now.
1: I yeah. do the other the one. I don't know if we mentioned it, but um, I wonder if p- people are influencing which players they like through fantasy football.
0: It's certainly f- short term wise. Absolutely, mm. you want that person to do well because you've got them in their team. But it is that happens in all sports? I think
1: is that says Rory getting philosophical is that <laughs> diluting the concept of fandom if you're watching if you're a brighton fan hang on brighton don't have any obvious rivals uh, if you're a southampton palace, palace, oh, yeah, right. fan that is not a real rival yeah, yeah, it's an M23 you're going to anger them It's, it's an absolute joke you're going to anger them though don't poke those bears good it's a joke that rivalry get a proper brighton fans get in touch with rory i tell you on his own i'll tell you who brighton's rivals are Lose or Lewis <laughs> however you pronounce it that little Lewis. town I have Lewis. two friends in Lewis do you
0: two friends wow that's the I don't br- have two friends anywhere
1: Brighton versus Lewis or possibly Eastbourne anyway <laughs> it's a hard sell that one if it? you're a that's Brighton fan that's of an fan, A27 derby <laughs> if you're a Brighton fan and you, you'll want, you want Brighton to win at the weekend don't you you'd, you'd love it if Brighton win uh, but also do you want Wilfried Zaha to score if he's in your fantasy team that's you complicated.
0: Yes, yeah, you, you do it. Yeah, so that, but that, that, those are the things that happen on a weekly basis with people. They want people. They want their team to win, but they want them to win in a certain way that allows them to Self- maximise their. Selfish reasons. So yeah. are you? Yeah, yeah. But is
1: that not changing the concept of fandom?
0: For that week, I don't think it necessarily lasts beyond that week. No, no.
1: I'm not saying you start supporting Wilfred Zaha, but it dilutes what you want to happen. It's not not purely and simply. I want my team to win, whatever the cost. It's I want my team to win, but I also want them to, to, to concede one goal to this specific player. Yeah. Oh, is this a, while they're
2: playing Palace or Palace oh, yeah, are playing? Just generally, in?
1: or I want my my rivals to lose, but I want them to score. That's different to why I want my rivals to lose. But if,
2: if Brighton are playing Palace and Zahar is in the Palace team and you've got him in your fantasy team, do you really want him to score against your team? That's I don't know. the conundrum. The I'm terrible at,
1: conundrum. I'm terrible at fantasy football, so I don't know. I don't play. <laughs> but people who play fantasy football get in touch. Do you,
0: do you play? Well, yes, I can get in touch. No Hi. I'm Hugh um, yes it, you have to be it, it depends on how invested you are so if you really care or have a chance of winning then yes it does infect your um, your enjoyment of a game of football um, in NFL fantasy which in my opinion obviously uh, to a chorus of boos from the unheard uh, audience NFL fantasy works in a much much better way
2: yeah no, the NFL's uh, this, is great. this is
3: yeah. the kind yeah. of time where I glaze over only yeah.
0: because of a, from a consumer point of view I enjoy doing that more than I do because there are more games more players and so you've just simply got more touchstones if you like of enjoyment but yes it dilutes it but it also intensifies it in different ways so you're still experiencing it and you might be experiencing it in a different way and it might be essentially um, a depressing nihilistic way because you are always disappointed but you are still engaging with something and potentially for the first time as your gateway into it which then broadens your your experiences later on and maybe
1: you're, you're actually supporting the sport as a whole rather than sort of tunnel vision focusing in, in on a club. So those days of where you'd go into school or work on a Monday
3: morning and get mercilessly mocked mm-hmm. because your team has been beaten her over because you can simply respond with, yeah, but look how many fancy league yeah. points I've got this week. So, you know, I, don't, I, don't really yes, I
2: don't think there's many schools that would
0: open their gates for us. For to be honest, that'd be a big trip for so many reasons. But um, but what? I don't know if you <laughs> said that seriously, Steve, or you were mocking the fact that it might happen because genuinely it happens No, no, and that's not. I use that as an excuse sorry, to make I'm, me feel better about my team losing. I'm not.
3: I'm not sort of. <laughs> Being overly eloquent because I'm still trying to eat this massive breakfast sandwich. Yes, we
0: heard that earlier. Uh, John Wood also emails, Hello SPMers, the conversations over the last two weeks regarding how people support their club has been really interesting. Again, I probably didn't need to leave that in. I grew up a Liverpool fan because I live in Liverpool and my dad supported Liverpool, so I'm fully aware that I'm speaking from a position of relative privilege. However, I can't help but feel that people should not change clubs just because they move. We made Duncan Geddes's father a bit of a hero of the pod because he did and uh, we thought that that was fair enough.
1: Did I get any noise of Steve eating then? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully.
0: What, why is he so incapable of eating quietly? I, tu- I,
1: I turned his mic on halfway through <laughs> just to see what happened,
0: And he won't be able to speak now for at least 45 minutes. Dunting
1: Dead as his dad was amazing.
0: So, well, John Wood is in response to that. I have no problem with people going to watch their local team to sh- show some support, but I think your one true love should be your first team you support. I genuinely struggle to imagine how I could go and watch another team and feel as passionately about them as I do Liverpool. I might move to Biddeford again. Thank you. Devon reference um, and start supporting Biddeford AFC but I just can't fathom feeling the highs and lows as much as I do watching Liverpool I think falling in love with the team as a kid because they are successful and then subsequently sticking with them regardless of future success see Manchester United fans currently or maybe actually in the 1970s uh, is one thing but changing teams through your life just because you're in a team's catchment area is something else uh, just quickly from John as well ideas for pod 100 Number one, ask listeners to write in with a topic, and whichever one you decide is the best can be on a pod via the magic of Skype to discuss that topic. And two, which is much more likely, as you're running low on ideas and Chinch may have to start making up his socket stories, you could start reading extracts from Steve Bruce's mystery novels, Sweeper, Striker, and Defender. Your pod will become like the very successful My Dad Made a Porno podcast, except instead of reading out porn, it's a mystery novel, and instead of it being written by your dad, it's written by Steve Bruce. I can always read the first chapter of my novel. That's got you interested, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has. I
2: thought you'd written a Radio 4 play, not a novel. Well, I'm thinking about doing that and involving <laughs> you all in it. It'll Wh- be terrible. What's your novel? I can't tell you. It's a work in progress. Is Come, it, at is the it moment,
0: it's called Untitled. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on it. John finishes, uh, P.S. I would definitely attend a live SPM in the northwest. Um, which I only say because there are lots of people who have emailed and tweeted to say the same thing. So it's very kind. Thank you. Define lots. Um, several.
1: Define several. A few. Is it more than a dozen?
0: My mum. We will absolutely attempt to cash in on that enthusiasm, um, such as it is, at some point in the very near future. Uh, and finally for now, I think it was Chris Worrell who was the first to let us know about Superdry's profit warnings this week. And the chinch should get on the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you, Chris. Uh, SetpieceMoney at gmail.com, at Menu and facebook.com slash Menu.
3: Chinch, is your... As yet to be finished novel called Untitled, because when you hit command save on the computer, that's just was like the default option. (laughs) That that might be the reason. That might be the reason. Maybe we can do this.
2: Every every three or four pods, I could maybe just give you the next installment.
3: What's the
1: plot?
2: It's complicated. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's (laughs) complicated. Is it set in the football world? It might be. It might be. Is it
3: about a former footballer who jets continuously between (laughs) Mm. the northwest of England and the Algarve Steve, Living stop two talking, lives.
0: you're giving away everything. Oh. Our subject today is prompted by this, sent to us by a man named Gareth from Burton-on-Trent. Dear set-piece menu, he definitely doesn't say. I don't know why the Premier League started so soon after the World Cup. Mm. It was a really difficult situation for the clubs. Players are suffering from a lack of psychological freshness. A lot of English teams haven't started yet at the level when they are at their maximum, and there are a lot of injuries across our league. Look at Tottenham, who had so many players in the semi-finals of the World Cup. It is an impossible situation for the coaches. We've also been contacted by Jürgen, who lives in Liverpool. He starts... (laughs) Hello, Rory Smith's podcast. Must be an NYT subscriber. I don't want to get too football political, uh, says Jürgen in this uh, particular post to us individually. But if they don't stop with these international games, they are now calling it the Nations League to make it more important. Then all the players who played at the World Cup have to go there again. I don't understand that. We, he must be a Liverpool fan, had four players in the semis, which is okay. We can deal with that. Tottenham had nine. I have no clue how they will do it. That's a big challenge. We have to change it. They play the World Cup, then the Nations League. Next summer is the final of the Nations League. It's really crazy. Thanks for the letter, Jürgen. And finally, from somebody who's probably made up, he's called Russell Amos, and he gets in touch from China. Dear Set Piece Menu, even though the season is just a few weeks old, I've noticed more and more articles and pundits dropping the B word, burnout. Maybe the highest profile player currently being tagged with burnout is Harry Kane. Stats show that he is taking fewer shots than previously and that the infamous World Cup hangover is to blame. Is this just a lazy excuse for opponents adapting to Kane's style of play or is he genuinely fatigued? If so, then why is he still playing week in, week out? Love the pod. Be interested to hear Chinch's thoughts on how much downtime a player needs between games or indeed Ah, Chinese takeaways the question that obviously follows the concerns raised there by three genuine SPM listeners all real Uh, is there too much football A club involved in a successful season will play around 60 matches then there's the international calendar to either squeeze in or add on at the end the Premier League started just 26 days after the World Cup final that is the shortest gap in 20 years Um, but if you don't start then how do you fit it all in but maybe the point is there's too much to fit in so, is there too much football? Listen thing. Is there too much football
2: or, for clubs and players, is this the cost of success at being good mm. at what you do? Or are there too many tournaments? So, again, it's, it's trying to work out which way round it is. But If you're Harry Kane and you're very good at what you do, Tottenham are clearly going to want you to play every possible game that you can. England are going to want you to play every possible game that you can and be in every tournament that England he, are in. So, he wants to play every day. he wants to play every game. So, is this just being a modern, successful footballer. It's changed, again, it, it used to be, you had the season, you had maybe the end of season, six weeks off, you put on a bit of weight, went back for pre-season, went hell for leather, lost all that weight and started the season. But footballers aren't built like that anymore. Mm. It, it is, a, it is a, a 12-month-of-the-year job. They they appreciate that. The rewards are enormous financially as well. So actually, is, is, this just, is this just modern football and they just have to grin and bear it and do the best that they can? But Steve and I were talking about Uh, how players maybe train not necessarily over the course of the summer but what they do in between matches because the intensity that they play with surely to goodness they can't train at the same intensity three or four days a week and expect to play games in a midweek, on a Saturday, a midweek again, because you would just be completely burned out. So it'd be interesting to see how the clubs and how the players actually train and how the clubs approach those, the downtime between between two matches. I think that, I that I will think change enormously. I think they barely train when yes, it comes 3 yeah.
0: 3 particularly when the Champions League comes in. Yeah, they, it, There's very little. Because
2: of their all-year-round all fitness, presumably it's just a question of ticking over and not getting these players injured in between matches because clearly they are fit enough their fitness is never going to drop so much in three days they're not going to have a month off at any time so it's a, a constant ticking over so I suppose you get the intensity the highs of the games and they just drop off completely in between, and the fitness levels don't suffer because they are generally very fit anyway.
1: I think a lot of the the work between games is tactical. Yeah, it is absolutely. Tactical in shape, they're not doing running sessions. They're in the classroom
2: as well, yeah. we have heard stories at Leeds with Bielsa, he's, again, the players are getting used to this new way of they spend an hour a day in the classroom studying videos of themselves, of other teams, of of individuals, so they're they're being asked to do a lot more mentally Mm. rather than necessarily physically, and they play a really intense game. You can't train like that every day because it'll just completely burn you out.
1: I think, there's a couple of things we need to clarify. One is the cl- the Klopp quotes about the nation's lead. I don't think he was saying that international football is pointless, or that he thinks they should abolish it. I think the point he's making is that by making it competitive, you they've increased the intensity of it. So you you we say
0: quotes, you mean letter to correspondence, the, the correspondence.
1: Yeah, correspondence directly to us, not 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 Qu- quotes in a press conference. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, the he doesn't. I don't think he's sort of anti. For, John was there after the City game when he when he alluded to it. I don't think he's anti kind of the idea of international football or minds sending players to internationals, or even is is against the kind of concept of the nation's lead. I think what he, what he's angry about is that for the elite players, and we are talking about the elite. We're talking about players who are in the top six of the Premier League and the Champions League or Europa League and playing international football. There are teams who are not that affected by this. In the Premier League and in 1, you know the, the bottom reaches of Ligue 1 or or Serie A or La Liga or the Bundesliga, he's talking about the elite teams. His point is, I think that because in friendlies it could be that you you know you maybe you're, like we saw with Van Dijk this week only Van Dijk only played he played against the Germans he's not staying for the Dutch the Dutch second game against or he didn't stay for Holland second game against Belgium. Uh, we although that was a friendly lot of Nations exactly game, yeah. so for when all of the international games were friendlies or competitive games. There was an agreement between the clubs and a lot of the nations that some of the players would have their workload yeah. eased. You also had a lot of yeah. limited substitutions or six substitutions rather than three like you do in, in com- competitive games in the Nations League. So I think Klopp's point is that you are asking even more of the players even though the actual workload hasn't increased and that was part of UEFA's rationale for introducing the nations, they, they, they said this will not increase the workload, the number of games on the yeah. players, but it's changed the type of games that the players are playing, uh-huh. and I think that's very important He can't get on the phone, Jürgen, to Gareth Southgate in the aftermath
3: of England's game against Spain and say, well, why did why did Joe Gomez play 90 minutes? You promised me he'd only yeah. play 60 minutes because there's not unlimited substitution so he's got, he's got, to, Gareth Southgate's got to manage yeah. his players during the international break when there's competitive games in a completely different way to playing a friendly against Croatia and Spain.
2: I yeah. suppose so the fans, the viewers watching Nations League games, there is a lot more riding on it than it's friendly better. games. It's much so better. it's better for the viewers, yeah. but also in terms of the coaches and the players, because there's something riding on it, it has to be more intense. So it's t- changed the yeah. nature of those international games. They're not just, yeah, you can make all those substitutes or not turn up or say, I've got a bit yeah. of an injury, we'll just stay away because it's not that important. It, that has changed kind of the, the, the dynamic now. So the coaches are thinking, well, when these lads go away, they want to go away because they're playing big games. But they're going to be played at a proper pace, and they're going to mean something. So that it is a, a proper game that they're getting involved in. So I can understand the coaches, but that's the nations. That's the whole point of the nations league was to make it more purposeful and make it more interesting for the viewers. Yeah,
1: and it's done that. And no, no, I think we will probably all, all agree. After what three or four games of hot nations league action, I think we can all agree that, that it's better than watching friendlies. But the the payoff for that is it's maybe not better for the players. And the other thing that I think is really important to get straight is no one is saying that players can't play every three days. No one is p- saying that players are, oh, the poor players, these poor millionaires having to play all this football, oh, isn't it awful, and they have to train for two hours a day. The, that's kind of a reductive viewpoint, but it's one that a lot of people have, that the players are not being asked to do anything inhumane. They still get, you know, it's not every day they're playing, it's it's three days, four days between games, they should be able to do it. They can do it, absolutely. The point is that the quality at some point will suffer because they will be more tired. You're talking about the accumu- talking about accumulated fatigue. So it's not that they will all suddenly die because they've been asked to play three, football three, every three days. It's that after three months, six months, nine months of it, they might be a little bit worse. Because
2: Gareth Southgate was talking about the psychological fatigue. He didn't mention physical. You just think, well, that's obvious because you're playing more football at a higher intensity. He was talking psychologically, which is the interesting part. So the players are finding it harder to mentally... Get themselves up for these extra games that they're playing, which you know, normally you'd say whether well, they're just they're just tired, they can't cover the ground because they've been running and running and playing so many more games. But the psychological aspect is an interesting one, and whether that is actually true, I'm not sure. Do all? Is it just England or do Belgium have the same problem? Do uh, Croatia have the same problem? Is it is it the same for all players across Europe?
1: You presume that the countries with the deeper talent pools are probably feeling it less. So Belgium mm-hmm. probably have enough options that if there are players who are suffering suffering a bit then they, they they can kind of take them out of the firing line. But the psychological thing is really important, Is it just dulls the edge of the player. Mm. So that if you're asking Harry Kane to be up for 38 Premier League games a season, plus six, eight, ten potentially in the Champions League, I guess, uh, ten's the quarter-final Spurs fans don't get cross, uh, plus whatever in the FA Cup, plus whatever in the League Cup, plus suddenly four, six competitive internationals every year, there's no let up every game. You've, you've only got a certain. If you think about kind of, you've only got a certain amount of psychological focus that you can give, mm-hmm. and you are effectively asking him to d- divide it between more games. Something has got to give at some point, and that. So I guess you can make the case that asking elite players to play so much, basically constantly, you are removing the advantage they have from their ability over n- sub elite players who don't have to have to play, yes, have okay. to deal with the same workload. Yeah. You're effectively kind of reducing their advantage and how good they are
0: the democratisation of football just kill the, kill the best <laughs> players but do you know so what? I, the I remember the mediocre ones are just as good I'm, I'm going to interrupt
3: Steve very in quickly movie. I've not started speaking so you can't interrupt me <laughs> it's fine the,
1: <laughs> I I didn't that. there was a year with Messi uh, I don't know it must have been 2015 I wrote a piece about it for the Times and 2014, 2015 where basically Messi played constantly all year and right. he played a full season for Barcelona. He played a Copa America. Then he went on tour with Messi and friends, which was uh, whoever was Messi Nike or Adidas. Adidas, uh, which is, was obviously their attempt to monetize him. And he played this game. In, he played this game in Bolivia and one in Miami and whatever. And it was kind of Messi and his mates playing against select elevens from whatever country, or another group of superstars. It was you know a marketing thing. But he was that. It was around that time that Messi started you notice the burnout with Messi that his performance is dropped off by his standards just a little bit and he, he wasn't quite making the difference and he looked a bit sort of jaded and a bit subdued. That's what happens when you play loads and loads of football even if some of those games are Messi and friends against who, you know, wasn't Ronaldo and friends, they wouldn't on the same pitch together but Neymar and friends or Suarez and friends or whatever. There comes a point where the players do need a break and if you look at a lot of elite players, particularly from outside of Europe, Sanchez would be another one, Sanchez, Alexis Sanchez has basically played football non-stop for four years just there's been various Top Emeritus and World Cups and what have you it's kind of not a surprise that he's a bit rubbish now because there comes a point where it will catch up with you and that I think is the point that Klopp and Southgate are making that you can ask the player you can push the players so far there will come a point where you pay a price for that. Yeah, you might not see it now, but yeah. you
0: might might see it at some years in the future.
3: There'll be a fair amount of Attervelding going on between Luis Suarez and friends, wouldn't they? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. I do have a solution to this. It's controversial. Hit but me. I think the big clubs might be able to find a way around this problem. Stop hoovering up all of the most talented players. This is an issue you are partly responsible for creating. Jurgen from Liverpool and his mentioning of the fact that they had four players involved in the World Cup semi-finals. Hooray for you. Mm. That's because you've bought loads of really brilliant players who've helped their teams reach the World Cup semi-final. And because you've got loads of brilliant players, you also qualified for the Champions League and you're also expected to be challenging at the top to win the Premier League title. And do you know what? Actually, you better have a deep run in the cup competitions domestically as well. These are not the sorts of complaints you are hearing from those managers further down the Premier League. In fact, about the only thing that Mark Hughes hasn't complained about from Southampton's <laughs> poor starts of the season is because he had so many players involved in the World Cup semi-finals. Yeah, Shane Long they didn't point it it. Yeah.
2: So it's the international games. No, but the, the, no. The, the, the fans of domestic clubs are saying that's well, where the problem lies. But, but that's what we don't need. If, of course, the
0: domestic because managers are looking at their own team, international yeah. football. Yeah, yeah. But the international football managers, as client. we've heard from Gareth and Burton on Trent, yeah. complaining about the Premier
1: League.
3: Yeah. The, 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 if the big six in the Premier League keep annexing off all of the best players available in the Premier League then why is it then a surprise to them that their players are having to play considerably more football yeah. than those who represent Fulham and Southampton and Burnley what It's a
2: price to pay for being yeah. a successful player in a successful club.
3: Yeah, yeah and it's they want their cake and, and they, want they want to want eat, to eat it. it in the same way as they want to be in the Champions League yeah. but they also want to dictate when their Premier League games kick off. Is
2: yeah. it a pie that they, they want they want to have that and they want to is eat it pie well? coming? I, I don't want to I don't think so, no. But anyway, Steve really you said cake, steve cake, <laughs> <steam> cake <laughs> pie. Bang came to mind. Anyway,
1: Steve's right, and you shouldn't <laughs> complain about
0: extended his neck an extra six inches. <laughs> where, where?
1: You shouldn't complain about the fact that it might level the playing field a bit because the bid clubs have got so many inbuilt advantages. That you know, if the players aren't and it gives the the other, you know, the lesser teams, the other teams in the lead a bit ah, more of a chance, yes, then that's yeah. potentially a good thing for the competitions across Europe. My and and that generally is my my standpoint on most stuff is that the bid. The big boys shouldn't have it all their own way yeah. all of the time. It's, it's unfair. But on this one, I, I, it's actually the players I sympathise with a little bit. I, th- I think if you're Alexis Sanchez or if you're Harry Kane or whoever you are, you probably want to get the best out of your talent. And yet at the same time, you want to play football. So you're put in this quandary where you either have to go for quality of performance or quantity of performances. And I think that's not quite fair. But, w-
3: but if w- Harry Kane wants to play less football, that can be arranged. He just needs to go and join Newcastle. <coughs> yeah, or play a- less football than Tottenham. Mm-hmm.
1: Or Spurs need to f- sign a someone who can yeah. take the work, the burden yes. off or, or, poor Harry Kane. Yeah. Or equally, if you're
3: Spurs, yeah, if you're Spurs and you, you get in the Champions League, you've got suddenly a lot more money than other Premier League clubs, so
1: you're going to need a deeper did, talent yeah. pool. It. And
2: he did not look particularly burnt out against Spain, did he, Harry Kane? He was excellent.
1: No, but that's the thing. So he's. Although do, he did pass in
3: a goal-scoring position at one point. Which is moment. not was a, a, a bit out of character. He did, yeah, well, what? he's knackered. He was knackered. So maybe some mental fatigue.
1: I can only kick the ball once <laughs> yes. here, so I'm, I'm going to play Make the percentages. Make <laughs> But Kane's a really good example because every time he plays well, you get lots of people saying, oh, I thought, thought he was tired, thought he was knackered. no, he's not natty, he's played really well. He's still capable of playing well. The, the proof is kind of in the in the round. It's the fact that those performances are a little bit less frequent than they would be. Otherwise, the fact that his workload is so intense that the quality of his performance is spread a little bit, little bit more thinly. There have been games this season where Harry Kane has not played very well. Harry Kane has had, by his standards, a slow start to the season. It doesn't mean his legs have fallen off and he's now useless. It just means that he is feeling the kind of psychological or physical burden of playing so many games. The thing about where you took the fat is really hard because club managers say it's the internationals international managers say it's the clubs the one thing that I think we should all be able to agree on is the premier league didn't need to start so early there was no reason to start it so quickly
0: but they they, they would say that they have responsibilities to get their games in when there are pressures upon them from uefa in terms of the champions league and nations league fifa has a uh, a calendar that is set out years in advance that can't be that cannot be changed so they would say although it's probably Somewhere in the middle, they would say that they had to because of those pressures put upon them by other football organisations.
3: The Premier League, the Premier League, generally starts on the second weekend in August. Yeah, so they would, yeah, they would say to their stakeholders that is when they are expecting Premier League football to be part of the schedule. Premier League runs from the second week, second weekend in August, until. On or around when the FA Cup final is, they so move is that th- around. It's like
2: a week or two weeks before, let's say, the Bundesliga or Serie A. Yeah. So we talk about a week or two weeks. But Well, La
0: Liga and Serie A began the weekend after the Premier League and the Bundesliga two weeks after on the 24th but of August. You've got, you
2: got, you got a lot of players coming out of the World Cup semi-finals on a high, the euphoria of doing really well at the World Cup. I bet they were itching to get back playing again. So we're saying, all oh, these guys need a rest. They've got to the World Cup semi-finals. The guys that got knocked out earlier... Had a longer rest anyway. So are we talking about the players that played in the World Cup semi-finals? All those players that are back, coming back to the Premier League—that it's too much. There were thirty-seven. But you come players. back in a—I don't know how many of those came back injured. Probably not too many of them. But they'd come off a, a really successful tournament in many ways. So I, I would tend to think that you'd be very keen to carry on playing. I don't yeah, want to say I want another six weeks off because I need a rest when the season's starting. I'm fitting well. I feel good about myself. We just have to, that's just the way it is. We just need to get on with it.
1: Sometimes the players have to be, t- sometimes the players are not the best judges of yeah. how much they should be playing, though. And that's that's a problem with quite a lot and of a players. And a lot of them didn't
2: start the first say few games of the season no. either. A lot of them were, because they hadn't gone through pre season, but came, then again, they've been playing at the World some Cup. Some
0: came back early mm. because mm. they decided that they wanted to. Or does Jose Mourinho told them to. Or Jose Mourinho told them to. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp said to Trent Alexander Arnold, who wanted to come back a week early. You don't have to," he said. "I Mm. want to," and Jurgen Klopp was a little bit unsure about whether it was the right thing to do. But because uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold said absolutely unequivocally, "I'm fine," and he didn't play a lot at the World Cup, so so so, you know they did come back. That and a couple of a couple of the City players who involved in the final weekend also came back just a smattering of days early. Do you
2: think this will be a complaint come the end of the season? Whoever doesn't do well, they'll look back and say it's because the season started a week, two weeks early. Will, Will Will the Disappointment that it started when it did be that strong that they would feel it, it seriously affected their teams during the course of the season?
1: Probably not, because I guess by that stage we'll all have moved on to something else. There'll be mm. different complaints and there'll be refereeing decisions or whatever they want to whinge about. <laughs> but the, the the season after World Cups is always slightly odd. If you look at the list of champions, Champions League winners, after a World Cup, strange things tend to happen. The average points total that you win the lead with is much lower mm. In the years after a World Cup, than it is in in the other three years yes, of I that think, cycle. I Think it will be this time around. <laughs> and if the, yeah. 50, win it with fifty points. <laughs> the, um, Relegated with,
3: or stay up with twelve. Yeah, <laughs> you might stay up with twelve. Not sure you'll win it with fifty.
1: The um, there must be the fatigue must be a factor, and that, that's only getting more pronounced. Steve's right that the Premier League does tend to start second weekend of August all the time, and that they will tell their stakeholders this is when we're starting. So you plan your TV schedules and all that. But then, as Hugh said, right at the right at the top, which is how TV people talk about these things, uh, this is th- this was the shortest gap for 20 years. I think it might be longer than that. I think it might be the
0: in the last 20 years. It yeah. is the shortest gap. I yeah. think it
1: might be the shortest gap since 1966.
0: The longest gap was Euro '96. I think it was 48 days or something. So you do have a precedent, although that finished a week earlier. I think it finished yeah. at the end of June rather than the beginning of July. I
1: think the or second weekend. But I the part. World Cup final certainly recently has always been roughly. So around July the tenth, July the twelfth, July Same the fifteenth. The Wimbledon final. Yeah, <laughs> the, they like to. Just, FIFA hate Roger Federer, and with good reason. He's boring. The, um, the, that might be
0: the most scandalous thing that you've said.
1: <laughs> I'm bored by Roger Federer. No, bored you know. by him I'm winning happy, all the time. Happy to say, I find Wimbledon crowds cheering Roger Federer un-British. There you go. Know.
0: What, even, even if there's not a British person involved yep. in the...
1: You don't cheer the guy who's won it a million times. That's not the British way of doing things. You cheer the guy who's playing him.
0: So, uh, so you, don't, you don't like people lauding Lionel Messi for being good? No. I <laughs> felt like that gap might have suggested that you haven't thought that would be You see the flaw in your theory here. <laughs> I, hate, I hate Cristiano Ronaldo he in
2: all those goals. inserted a massive pin into your Roger Federer balloon here he's thinking he's thinking you can hear the you can hear the cogs turning in the I don't
1: mind people appreciating
2: oh here we go cheering appreciating beauty this is going to be tautologist. it is
1: not but at Wimbledon they actively cheer for Federer and against the other guys
0: because he's their guy because he's won in their manner for those those years that's
1: un-British
0: isn't it, isn't it very British because they are supporting the guy who has one in Britain more than anybody no, else? No,
1: it's un-British because they're supporting the overdog when they should be supporting the underdog.
0: I think
2: there is. There's unBritish. I maybe they just like is. the way Roger Federer plays tennis. UnBritish. They, that's not. How can it
0: be unBritish?
3: british <laughs> Something you like. <laughs> until, you can't just keep
2: shouting. Until this goes I'm away. I talk over you, Lind. <laughs> <laughs> you can't
3: keep
0: doing that. <laughs> is that how things work? I'm not driving
3: a mini Metro. <laughs> I really, I really don't think the average attendee at SW19 is a overwhelming supporter of the underdog.
1: No, <laughs> oh, maybe not. That's a point. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that tells
3: you what's wrong with Wimbledon. But, but I'm, anyway. slightly, I'm slightly concerned because you were telling me the other day about some of the the hot topics that you now. Generally avoid. Refuse to write about. In order Messi or Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, the old firm. Yeah. And the Middle East. Yes. <laughs> I'm a bit worried that you might have a top four in terms <laughs> of response. No, Roger Federer might just I'm bring prepared. a few out of the woodwork to your tip. I am full
1: body. of admiration for Roger Federer, who is good at the tennis. No one's denying that <laughs> he's tennis. good at the tennis. Give him a
0: tennis t- bat. He is <laughs> <really> <laughs> did one of those tennis sticks. Really <laughs> you you, you are going to very much uh, support your argument with some of the vernacular you are currently yeah. in.
1: <laughs> he loves all those serves and volleys. The, the Swiss uh,
2: can be neutral, but they won't be on this issue. Exactly. you they're going to get it right <laughs> in the neck.
0: <laughs>
1: I think he's fantastic. He's a what a wonderful sportsman. Oh, well, you're changing your tune. What a wonderful sportsman. So you'd I just be think booing him, wouldn't you? I just think it's not British to support him against an underdog. When he plays that cross-court passing shot, boo, Federer, you rubbish, un-British. Clearly, you're not. I, you're that, big, I, I hate champion.
0: that silky one-handed backhand. Yes, <laughs> yes.
3: We should yes. get you a ticket. We should get you a ticket from Wimbledon and make you up an anyone but Roger T-shirt. <laughs> so in amongst I those lines you. of people with Federer's name spelt on individual letters on the they uh, there'd be roaring in the middle. Anyone but Roger.
0: Somebody, so he's playing somebody inconsequential like a wild card in the first round and everybody's going, go on Roger and in those moments of silence Roy just pops up say,
1: I hate you Roger <laughs> yeah. I don't hate Roger Federer you're it's ruining the equi- this for me Rog it's the, do you know what it's the equivalent of Linton City are drawn with Manchester City or Manchester United hmm. whichever one you want in the FA Cup third round and loads of people going along and just, just jeering Lincoln whenever they try and score. <laughs> and cheering for Man United. People were not in any way invested in the game. Just randomly cheering for the. I love you because you've won lots of stuff. It's, non- it's not British. No, it's not tribal. It's not British. It's, un- it's, it's a betrayal of our national values.
0: We need to have a conversation about the difference between team and individual sports. And it's, is overdog a word? <laughs> overdog. <laughs> the overdog.
2: Overdog. <laughs> <It's
3: quite laughs> oh, not just a favourite, the overdog. The overdog. <laughs> Opposite of underdog. Yeah, yeah. Overdog. Uh, I right. think this, is, this is about the most extreme <laughs> tangent we've ever been on.
0: It, it, is, it is my job to uh, happily segue back. So I will do it like this. Now, Roger Federer, of course, has realised that the strains on his body are such that mm. he has greatly reduced his schedule. So in football. That's Very why they played the a big nice. players. Very nice. good. So nice. in football, Chinch, can you remember the season, roughly speaking, where you played the most games and how many it was and whether there 12, were certain... 12, 13. <laughs> oh, be <being> cruel. <laughs> I, I I re- I'll rephrase. There weren't the, that many seasons when I wasn't injured. A full season. A full season. Right. right. And how many games you played? Because I think in 2008, 2009, mm. Manchester United played something like 66 Um well, because had, they had the you know, they had the club world cup as well. well. The only
2: problem was when I was at Everton and we played I had that great European run of two ties. That was before <laughs> I played for England. So really, you, you'd want the European football and playing nas- yeah. international you know, as well. You know that the, been so the I missed, home. I kind of I kind of missed out. So probably the season that Everton after we won the FA Cup in '95, which I think I've mentioned before, <laughs> would have been the season after that when we had this searing run. And did did and you we, ever feel? We,
0: this, this is too many. Rampage
2: through Europe for, for two matches. For two matches. Home
3: the way is not, that's not two ties, that's just one tie.
2: Uh, oh, right. Oh, no, no, we no, did two play. Ties, beat Reykjavik and then lost <laughs> to me. Yeah, good Reykjavik a good um, scene too. 3-2. <laughs> 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 <at three>, <laughs> with that, you, you notice, I'm, I'm desperately trying to keep this on course. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Um, too many matches, w- with, was there any point you thought, I, I need a rest or did you think I am not motivated enough to play in this competition because, it's, because it is the least important? Never even, uh,
2: uh, again, it's, probably to do with the club that you're playing for. And it was all very new because you'd not played in Europe. So you're not going to say, oh, this is four extra matches here. That's really going to impact us in, in the Premier League. No, you just wanted to, you didn't even think about it. You didn't even think about it and, and look at yourself and say, well, am I playing too much? Am I not? Are we training too much? Are we not? We just did what we were told. So, but again, the intensity of the that is that is the key thing as well. Mm. The intensity of virtually every match that you play now has ramped up and this is what Steve and I were chatting about again about training how you have to adapt your training two if you references to, to those keep car that, journeys now what great car journeys they were as well um, there's a series in that on, on BBC2 um, we just don't need Michael Portillo in the back um, why so was yeah, he in the back because he wouldn't be in the front would he Steve would be driving I'd be, I'd be shotgun Portillo will be laid down in the back I
1: need, I need, need
2: be like, like you didn't have yeah to. we would keep him out of sight I'm not taking
3: the car seats out either by the way no, i no, just no. have to find a way around those. yeah you don't have to hope yours Portillo off,
2: yeah. but, um, so what was I saying you, yeah, say about, you, you and just, Steve chatted about it the intensity it, you know. and that's why it is interesting to see how they would, would, would train in between but the fitness levels again were very different the calendar was very different so but I, I never played in th- well you played obviously the cup games as well but you yeah probably most in a season would you play 50 games Back um, in yeah. back in the late 90s, how when Premier when League, when League games would you play? But in the, the early 90s, in your yeah, heyday, you're... Say, yeah, 90s, yeah. 4, 4 95, to 2 games, 96. I think they've reduced it to 38 games by that stage. So yes, probably, have, say, yeah. 55 at, at the most, but that, that didn't feel fifty five. much.
0: Liverpool, I think, did 56 last year, which meant final of the um, Champions League. Mm-hmm. Not a particularly significant run in the FA Cup. Cup I, I think they might have got a little bit, two or three games in yeah. there in the in the league cup so
2: they play the extra champions league so that games. that's about 56
0: yeah but then with the international chelsea as well. had 59 last year because right, of okay. runs in september I, th-
1: I don't think you can again it's it, it's hard to feel sorry for the big clubs because they've got the squad depth to deal with it that's why that's what they spend all that money on
0: until they get injured injuries yeah. and then they blame the injuries on the amount of games yes. and then they feel like they can't maintain their
1: yeah level. which is true I think the issue is more for individual players, and as you throw in more games in, in, in internationals and, and all that, that you are getting to individual players potentially playing more than their, their load being more than they can handle. Do they complain about this in Spain? Because routinely,
3: Real Madrid and Barcelona players play more games than anyone else in Europe, what with the two-legged Super Cup at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, two-legged Copa del Rey ties, obviously they generally go deep into, into the Champions League. So it's obviously something we hear a lot about in England, but... Mm-hmm. The top, the top English-based players don't generally play as much as the top Spanish based players.
0: And Barcelona yeah, under Pep particularly did not rotate at all; yeah. kept the same, no. the same. don't, don't we tend to look at certain players in certain
2: positions? We look at Harry Kane. We don't think about Eric Dyer. We mm-hmm. think, well, because Harry Kane is the focal point, he's the goal scorer. He's not scoring goals. Let's have a look at his fatigue. We don't think about Eric Dyer or Jordan Henderson. How many games? It? Oh, because midfielders or defenders. It's mainly the key players yeah, that we tend to talk about the creative players I think statistically think Jordan
0: Henderson has played fewer games already this season mm. it might be because of the World Cup it might just be because they're a better midfield yeah. as Liverpool but, but
2: you presume that Harry Maguire <laughs> won't suffer the burnout that you would maybe
1: say that Harry Kane would suffer from because the workload is a position no, but I'm, I wonder, we'll try not to run anywhere I wonder if Le- Leicester are probably again everything is, is through the prism of, of what's kind of talked about so Kane gets a lot of attention to his England captain and he spurs his you know, his league, you know spurs his big star and but he will cover more ground than Harry Maguire game, game by game but I, I bet Claude Powell's quite worried about the amount of work Harry Maguire is doing so? I would imagine that he's he's worried by that but in, it, because the more tired you are the more susceptible you are to, to minor injuries that okay. might keep you up it's just, just people
0: called Harry yeah. we're just worried about people that called the Harry well, in don't this, in, christen your children in Harry. this week
1: of the royal baby yes clearly one Harry yeah. has got plenty of energy yeah exactly
0: <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> we've diagnosed a problem not not conceiving children in royal families uh, we've diagnosed a problem but we haven't got time to actually provide a solution because we were talking about Roger Federer because we talked about Roger Federer and because frankly we don't really care um, so if you have a solution that you'd like to suggest then please do get in touch at Menu on Twitter or Menu at gmail.com or have a conversation about it on Facebook uh, just search for setpiecemenu now two of the self-proclaimed features of this podcast are the Select Elevens and Chinch's Soccer Stories so over the next two weeks we're going to combine the two <gasps> are we? It's madness. Fascinating.
1: This was your idea, Tint.
0: Keep that quiet. It's meant to be, you know. It's just stimulating the, the listeners. It is time for never mind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story! Select eleven. This is when Andy selects his dream team of players he played with, while making sure all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details have been removed from the reasons behind their inclusion. Today, Chinch, we're going to do a goalkeeper and some defenders. Some. De- I, I, I'm going to go for a four four two. Go Are back to the old a four four two. Do you put yourself in this team,
2: by the way? What I wanted to do was pick the best team that I play with, <laughs> and also yeah. the worst team that I play with, and I would be in both. <laughs> Because I did straddle. So you're going to do two 11s?
0: 22. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I was going to do two, two 11s. All oh, right, yes. okay. Well, in yeah, that but case, not, we'll, we'll do the good ones first. Okay, and then later down the line, we'll do the worst so, ones. It's, it's, it's we'll how well, it, well you know me last. as well.
2: Goal, goalkeeper. I don't know whether you... Southall. Uh,
0: how many goalkeepers...
2: Yes, it is devil. But <laughs> Brilliant. How many other goalkeepers do you think I actually um, protected? Uh, do, 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 Tony Coton? No. No? He came... As part of the money that they got oh, from yes. selling me. Oh, yes. that right? That's part of the reason Howard Kendall sold me. The Coating, other couple of reasons he hated me and thought I couldn't play football. But the money it brought in, they enabled them to bring Neil Disappointment <laughs> and uh, Tony Colton. <laughs> Who was the city's keeper then? Um, would, it have been Andy, would it have been Andy Dibble? Andy Dibble? Would it have Andy Dibble? I, th- I, yeah, I don't know, know you were in the team. I know, I was, I was just Andy, trying to Andy wonder. Andy Dibble was, the was the early 90s. Who it? was yeah. that fella shouting at
1: you? Um, what would you shout?
2: There was Eric Nixon. I've told the story about Eric Nixon and the warm up at Macclesfield Town, haven't I? Is that a soccer story for, for further I down think the line? It's
0: a Nixon story, but I can't remember. I, I'll, I'll we keep need to that focus. For later. Anyway, Eric, no, it was Eric
2: Nixon, so Andy Dibble.
0: Can Roger Federer be in this? Team Roger Federer,
2: him? he would have been an excellent goalkeeper, I'm sure, Rory. Yeah, lots We've of got posh got people a, to have cheered for him. what a fingertip save not from not Roger. Bad. Boo! Um, who else? England wise. England wise. Now, there oh. must have been some good keepers in yeah. there. Ian Walker. Hmm. <laughs> Ian, there. there's, there's some good keepers in Ian Walker. What? David Seaman. David Seaman, yeah. Yeah How many more England I mean there are only seven David James David James Oh he played in one of them Did he Uh, Yes Uh, But still Neville For lots of reasons He was legendary In so many ways Football and physical (laughs) An interesting character A man who cleaned himself With the head Of a sweeping brush Deserves to be in anyone's fantasy. <laughs> there we go. So fantasy never is the 11, give us but an incredible goalkeeper. I'm
0: beginning to realise that the the team of the worst players that you play alongside might be. That might be funny. Might be funny. So but that'll be sometime. Let's say February. Let's yeah. So left back and captain, pinchcliffe clearly. Right back. This, this is
2: an interesting one because I, I play with some you know some decent right backs, but probably so the, in mind, the finest defender I ever played guess. with.
0: And if the, one of the oh, finest I know
2: the answer. To this. Ryan Giggs said he was the finest defender, the most difficult opponent I know. We're, against. we're
0: drawing from England, Sheffield Wednesday, Manchester City, and Everton. All four. And mm. I played
2: with this player. Well, his, at all three clubs.
1: His right back. Mm, yeah. His his right back at Wednesday was Peter Atherton, not yes. him. Uh, the right back for England was probably going Neville, I guess. Yeah. Uh yes. He a Could be along. him, yes, but you, you do hate him. Three.
2: Yes, yeah. I don't hate him. I have a grudging admiration. <laughs> uh,
1: Everton is the correct answer, yes. and uh, that would be Earl Barrett. Earl Barrett. Bang. Played Straight with Earl
2: when I was we were juniors together at Man City and then yeah we played together at Everton. He was he used to do all the defending for Andrej Kanchelskis, but he was the be- <laughs> he if you saw Earl move over the... He, the trouble was he wasn't very good with the ball at his feet, which is a bit of a drawback for a footballer. And he probably wouldn't have fitted in with the attacking fullbacks of today. He's no Kieran Trippier in terms of his delivery because he just sliced the ball out of play, Although
0: which is he's not really what many coaches want. Hey? One's from Berry, one's from Oldham.
1: Yes, Rochdale.
0: Rochdale
2: Rochdale,
1: Rochdale Rochdale Rochdale. Rochdale. Oh, I associate but Earl Barrett with, with Oldham more than Everton yes. yeah. Joe yeah. oh, Royal that's where he had his Everton, yeah but he was uh, in that
2: really strong Oldham team on the artificial pitch so that's probably why his knees fell off but as he glided over the su- is that glided or glade glade, glade? no that's no. that's what you clean carpets with I think it's glued <laughs> isn't it if Willie Donaghy I remember saying something you don't notice until someone points it out and says just watch he, he kind of floated over the surface and his balance and his his body absolute- again if Ryan Giggs says He is the toughest right back I ever played against.
0: He didn't mention me. He didn't swap sides, Ryan. It's a good job he didn't swap no, sides, he was Ryan. He was avoiding you, Chinch. Roy, Ke- Roy Keane said it about you uh, from the 95 Cup final. The, mm-hmm. uh, Willie Donaghy, the manager of Montserrat, by the way. Montserrat, and they had a fine victory, I'm hearing.
3: They took Belize apart oh, in battered front of them. a massive rhododendron and a few hundred supporters.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they were 5-1 up at half-time. Willie, Do- Willie Donaghy would have said to those Montserrat players, if you think you're playing well, you're not. They'd have gone, what? We're <laughs> <Five> 5-1 <laughs> up, you silly Scotsman. Anyway, centre-halves, again... Another gentleman who is legendary on the pitch and legendary in the showers. I, I don't know where. I, I, I hope I haven't mentioned this person. <laughs> jigsaw identification capacity. is going to complete. One <laughs> <He's laughs> finest defenders, Dave Watson. Dave Des. Watson. Which now you've got to make sure that Des Walker. Des Walker. Des Walker again for the, the after-match hilarity of when he would take all his clothes off, but leaves his, his boots and socks on, and then put his leg <laughs> upon the uh, the bench next to you, start talking to you about the the minutiae of defending. <laughs> Your eyes were drawn. <laughs> you couldn't not look. And well, it was just, but Des, do you not realise what you're doing? But what a defender. And he used to wear sure. really long aluminium studs, regardless of the playing surface. <laughs> seriously, right? yeah. He would never wear, you know, like moulded boots and stuff. I used to hate having long studs. It felt like you were on stilts. It was really uncomfortable. Mm. He always knew no, I need to grip the pitch. I said, yeah, but we're playing on concrete. We still wear, seriously. But I've never seen anyone do no training and then be as good on a match day, as Des Walker, he, that's what he literally did. He was such a problem during the week that managers, coaches, didn't want him out on the training pitch because he was a pain. But he was your best player. I've not seen many players that can switch it on and. You do forget what how he many did. times he played for England as well, consecutively. Like, yeah, all like, his all his England games 70, 80, were, 90 caps, isn't it? I think it was 69 something 70. caps, but they were all consecutive, so he never missed mm. a game for. Well, how long is that? You're looking at what? Six, seven years, eight years?
1: What? Yeah, eight. Which is seven eight well, years. The same with,
2: I think he played over 700 games, but he, he very rarely missed games for 59, Wednesday. 59, 59. 59, 59 yes. but they're all consecutive. The other centre-back. Did you mention Dave Watson? I did mention Dave Did you Dave mean Watson. the Everton Dave Everton, Watson? Everton Dave Watson. Head the shape of a cornflake packet. <laughs> that man, indeed. <laughs> that man, he would put his head on a landmine. He was the bravest, <laughs> the bravest, <laughs> bravest, bravest man. I know people say this, that they do put their head in where it hurts. Dave, I remember games against Aston Villa where he literally got his head kicked off ball it wasn't a bouncing <laughs> ball the ball was on the floor and he decided to throw himself so as the guy shot he nearly kicked <laughs> his head off and he was completely bewildered blood everywhere and he was just I'll be fine I'll be fine no you won't because your head's coming off he was again a, a very solid player underrated again but in just the right team I mean, playing like mm-hmm. Kevin Ratcliffe the blend that they had the balance that they had that your know, Ratters was quick and could play Dave Watson was just again, one of the strongest characters and strongest players. Again, him playing alongside Dez would have been a, were a really good combination. With me at left back, perfect
0: back for <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. The rest of the 11 will be on next week's Set Piece Menu. We leave you with a reminder of how to get in touch. That is at Set Piece Menu on Twitter or setpiecemenu at gmail.com, uh, Facebook, dot com forward slash set piece menu please subscribe rate share and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule thank you to steve roy and andy and to you all for listening we'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed
1: that was like one of those you remember when we used to record loads at once and eat cake and then the the third or the fourth we re, we'd recorded we'd just be in a really weird mood as we on a sugar high yeah yeah that was massive like that caffeine yeah. intake yeah. just kind of our heads sort of really sketchy i'd used to get text saying
3: did you do that one in the pub
1: Were <laughs> you <drunk? laughs>
2: Yeah, but oh, With, with the burnout, I, I, sent, I think we kind of nailed it. It was just basically, your clubs are good, your players are good, get on with it. That's, in essence, you're just going to have to grin and bear it, aren't you? So the problem is, with this one, did we maybe come I to
1: some kind of conclusion, which we don't normally do? No, I feel as though I, I derailed everything by, by publicly Roger admitting Federer. for the yeah. first yeah. time my, yeah, h- yeah, my yeah. hatred. Not of Roger Federer, of Wimbledon crowds cheering Roger Federer. Un-British. Uh, which is un-British. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to apologise for that.
3: How do you feel about Nadal on clay? I mean, are, you okay, are you okay with the, <laughs> well, what the French so, support? Yeah, so yes, so Monte Carlo or, or Roland Rome. Ga-
1: Roland Garros, yeah, or Roland Garros, supporting. Uh, Rafa. If they are continually supporting him against players who are clearly much worse than him and, you, and need your help, then then yes. But then the French aren't the British, are they? Ultimately, they don't have the same. But they're, the they're, same value. They're, exactly, they're
0: doing exactly the same thing, so should be criticised
1: for it's the same thing. Of, if that's your point. No, because it's not part of French national national identity to always support the underdog, is it? It, whereas it is in Britain, and, it's, and Wimbledon is the exception to that. But maybe I have a problem with Overdodge because I also didn't <laughs> like Michael Schumacher when he kept winning the, the Formula One.
3: Tiger Woods, when he nope, returned standing. to winning ways. When recently. he returned to
1: winning ways, great. Does he? a great story. But oh, when the he, journalism kicked in at that. When point. he yeah. when he was just winning. Well, he. Ne- but the thing with golf is he never really won everything, did it? yeah so it was a spell yeah, when basically yeah, yeah. They, just gave him the, they gave him
3: the trophy at the start of the week and they didn't <laughs> yeah. actually bother but with the goal. boring
2: but do you want the underdog to win or do you want the overdog to fail what are you actually hand on heart what do you want to happen are you really
1: cheering the underdog or you just want someone knocked off their pedestal no 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 I think in, in and this is I'm being slightly facetious I think you should encourage in that especially in one, in individual sports you should encourage the underdog regardless of what the res, of what you want the result to be because the likelihood is that your support will make no difference at all, and the overdog will go through. Federer will progress to the final, playing wonderful tennis. But you should support the guy from Kazakhstan or Liechtenstein or wherever, because this is the biggest occasion of his of his career. Kazakhstan, or whatever <laughs> they play tennis, and it's just this, I just fi- allowed. Change. I find I it really allowed.
2: But are you sure there is a tennis yes, player who's yep. played at Wimbledon Probably. from
1: Kazakhstan? I definitely. find it really odd. In the opening week of Wimbledon, where you get Federer on centre court playing the world number 964, and every time Federer hits this amazing shot, the entire crowd's going, "Yeah, come on!" You <laughs> think this poor guy—he's come all this way. You
2: forget about
0: Mikhail Kukushkin. Oh, I always do. <laughs> Kukushkin, don't I? I always forget him. This is the most sensible fade-out we've ever had. But the reason that people like overdogs mm. is the sports like them because it it helps them yeah, get into course. the mainstream yeah, yeah. because they have a, a, a somebody to a tent pole, if you like, to hang their sporting tent upon. Mm. Um, but also people like to be, people, he says people, I don't know who those people are, but some people like to be around in an era which oh, then becomes They're
3: selfish. They want to have their slice of, and the, that's of fine. the greatness. They don't want to be the one it's person that has to go back from Melbourne and say, yeah, I saw Federer knocked out by the world 140. Yeah. It's just un-British.
1: Yeah. Content alert, is that attitude seeping into football Show me that your next week's set piece up. menu. Wow! Let's let's It's not. Out. We're doing something else. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> something else. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's
0: find out. Yulia Putinseva, Yaroslava Shvedova, Andrei Golubev, Kyra Galina Boeva, Zarina, <laughs> should've Zarina should've Diaz, Alexey Kedruk. I Gal- know oh, I've done it already.